Hello and welcome to Better Beings, a podcast bringing ideas for happier, more balanced and fulfilling lives. Better Beings brings together innovative and diverse thinkers to discuss the key challenges facing humanity from the worlds of business, creativity, spirituality and wider society. We believe that a more human approach will unlock the future we need. Kinder connection to ourselves and each other is the starting point. Better Beings is a home for diversity of thought and backgrounds and a safe space for authentic and challenging perspectives. Our guest today is Robbie Walters, a multidisciplinary artist, podcaster and change agent. To find out more about Robbie and his work, please visit the show notes for further details. Everything else will come out in our conversation. I'm Joel Brevet and I'm joined by my co-host Michael Johnston. Okay, welcome. Lovely to be with you, Robbie. We just did a, you just very kindly um, did a little grounding meditation for us, which might be part of our conversation today. So thank you for that. I think we're all coming in, hopefully, more more in our being space than in our doing space now. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. How Definitely. are you? I'm really well. Really, really good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, always good after. Uh... Always good after a... Uh... A meditation. Oh, okay, cool. I was going to. Th- I wonder if you're going to talk about the uh, the Easter break. We don't want to uh, mm. time time um, time box this specific episode too much by referring mm-hmm. to the time of year we're at. But just come off a bit. Yeah. Of a, did you did you have a bit of time away? Yeah, we. Um, I went to Wales with two of my kids, um, which was delightful. Yeah, North Wales, got a nice house there, set on the edge of a town, overlooking the town by a river. Very, very, very nice. Yeah. Sounds idyllic. Yeah, it is. It really is. Quality. Tell us, tell us, I don't know, tell us a little bit about about what you get up to when you're in Wales, but just also generally what you've been up to recently. (laughs) Um, In Wales... It's a really nice way to reconnect with the kids um, outside of the city. It's uh, it's a nice home where we light fires, we cook, we eat together, we go for walks together, um, and it's not a kind of shopping place. So it's kind of like it's a small town. We can walk around it quite quickly, um, throwing stones in the river. Um, just reconnecting with nature um, and the family. It's really nice. Yeah. Wonderful. Sounds even even nicer than <laughs> than uh, the Westfield in Stratford where I was last night. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we, won't, we won't come on to that now. But um, okay. yeah, I guess just um, for, our, for our listeners and for JB, um, yeah. you and I know each other pretty well. But yeah, tell us a bit about yourself and what you what okay. you like getting up to so i'm an artist um born and raised in london i have a studio in westbourne grove till tomorrow and then i move back into charing cross road next to tottenham court road so it's a big move next week and i make work predominantly from material that's discarded or not used anymore 
Um, this is one of my pieces in the background. Um, it's a collage made mostly from recycled material and it's sprayed, it's carved, sprayed, hand cut and um, inspired by a thousand petal lotus, which is part of the chakra system, part of my meditation. So it has a kind of um, an energetic uh, field um, intention. Um, it's not just I'm making something that I think is pretty or something like this. I'm actually trying to work with energy within a space. So when people um, hang my work, it actually transforms the feeling of the room, not just the visual, the look or, of the room. Um, I think it's really important. I think it's an, probably a subject we're going to talk about, but I think it's important to find things that people think have no value and repurpose them into something that can be used um, in a way that was not seen before previously. Um, I think that um, I know that mm. we, we talk about like consuming and things like that, but I think that a lot of the things that we consume, um, I think that there are more purposes than just like a quick use and discard, you know, if it's food packaging, whether it's the clothes we wear, whether it's, you know, a lot of the things that we consume daily, I think that there's more use, especially single-use items. I think we can use them a lot more. Um, and I always try to figure out a way to do it in a creative and visually pleasing way. That's amazing. It kind of uh, it reminds me of is it the 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 is it the Japanese is it the kintsugi where they do the uh, the gold repair where for things mm -hmm. that are broken they recognise the beauty and actually that is the beauty in and of itself. Absolutely, it's um, and is that the crockery? Yes, particularly it's the crockery, yeah, and it kind of comes actually from a an even older philosophy of like a wabi-sabi, which is the beauty and simplicity, and mm -hmm. just kind of in essence, as you said, because I find that looking at your pieces, as you said, that they kind of follow the shapes of like leaves or things that already exist in nature, and then you've kind of just mm -hmm. found uh, things that other people would discard or waste, and then making them, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I would ask you, yeah, the, the work in and of itself that is a quite simple methodology, but it looks like it's a painstaking consistency that mm -hmm. is required to actually deliver on these kind of like amazing, massive pieces that you make. Mm -hmm. I think um, as um, Mike was um, reflecting on before speaking, getting into a certain space to connect to what we're doing, when I'm making my work with my team, it's really important that we're all in the right um, headspace and environment to produce the work. Um, and it's not just the feeling of um, how does it feel when you're walking in and you're making the work. It's also how does the room itself feel. So whenever I go into a new space, i.e. next week, and I've been in this space for um, since January, when I came into this room, it was completely filled up. The paintwork was quite dark and heavy, and I got everything out, painted it, and you can't see it because the painting, but the background's actually coral, and it's a it's like a between a pink and a red, the actual color of the room. I'll see if, if you can see, like, that's the color of the room. And it's really important to me, just um, okay. the, the way that a room feels that you're working in. It's not just how you feel. Like 
many times I go into an office or a hospital mm. or a waiting room and I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Like this doesn't, it's not conducive mm. towards productivity. It's not, it's not something for a space for healing. And I think you can really speed up a lot of these processes just by how you, um, view and make the room, um, compatible to how the room's being used. I think it's really important. So, I mean, what I kind of take from what you're saying there is it sounds like you have a very well manicured inner world. And in essence, that what you're recognizing in these spaces and then even in your creations is how to reflect your inner world into the outer world. And so... I just wonder, like, in your journey, how did you come to a place where you were able to recognize the, I suppose, ultimately the, your, 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 the st- your still waters, your inner depth, and enabled to, I suppose, articulate that through, through art and, mm-hmm. and, and bring that into, I suppose, physical reality? It, um, that, process began when I was very young. I remember asking a friend, like, when did he realize life was special? And um, and then when I told him I was five years old, um, he couldn't quite believe that I thought I was thinking like that at five, but I went through a very traumatic experience <laughs> at five, and through the, the depth of that trauma, um, the the mind is shaped in that moment and either you are paralyzed and you can't work out where you are and you're trying to exist or you try to figure out well i i don't think the world is always going to be like this i need to figure out another way um for me to be in order for the world to be shaped um and i know that sounds quite a lot at five years old but if I went into my story, it would make more sense. But um, when um, I wanted to make my, because I was moved around foster parents and children's homes and grandparents, and because I was moved around a lot when I was young, I wanted to be loved and I wanted to be good. And I'm not talking about that from an egotistic, I want to be loved. I'm talking from a pure safety. Like I was moved around not knowing any adults mm-hmm. and in those environments mm-hmm. you don't feel safe and I just wanted to be with my mum but um so I tried to work on myself to be a good boy and in that good boy kind of um uh I think as an adult's language to use how would be people pleasing so I was a pleasant boy so that people would like me so that they would not want to get rid of me which I tried to find the beauty in the thing, the very thing, which was myself, which I thought was being moved around and not wanted or not loved, which in an adult's language could be discarded. And trying to find that beauty in that thing, I tried to work on myself, work on myself, work on myself. And in essence, as an adult, what I've done is I've reflected my childhood, which is I take things that humans discard and I try to, without saying it with language, but with the use of action, show that it's beautiful so that they want it back. And it's a reflection of my childhood. Um, 
So it's that's where it came from. Wow. Um, when um, people use buzzwords in today's society, with um, especially around corporate language, um, around repurposing, recycling, reusing, all of these things, um, I've I've come to that from a very natural process. I've not come from that place of ticking a box that it's a corporate responsibility mm. or it's a social or like a cultural responsibility. I see it as an absolute fundamental for the existence of life itself. I don't see it as, oh, well, this is a hot mm. topic. Let's deal with this now, but something will supersede this mm-hmm. soon. <laughs> I think that um, if you go mm. to another planet, um, if like Elon Musk would like to do, like go to Mars, um, if you think of the resources that we actually don't even, I would say almost value because of the way we treat it, like oxygen, water, mm. um, these really basic materials are incredibly valuable. And yet we don't see the value in those things because we're kind of, we don't even pay for them or like maybe a little bit with water, but mm everything is valuable everything and the way that we are consuming and using without any end thought to what that thing ends up being i think that um we're kind of like Mm. digesting ourselves and i think that that's we're consuming ourselves um whereas if you go to another planet where the the Mm. resources are are obviously finite I think that we would approach this planet in a different way if we lived somewhere else and we would actually value what we have a lot more. Um, I hope that's of, yeah, some insight there. But yeah. that, that, really re- that, re- that really resonates. But go on, MJ, I think you were going to say something before I kind of dive back in. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I'm slightly lost for words because there's so much in there and it's mm-hmm. so powerful. Um, and thank you for sharing that. I, I, I guess, or oh, where do I want to go? I could go in so many different directions. I mean, maybe if, if you don't mind, Robbie, just this is clearly such a, a, a well. This is you, right? Your work is is yeah. is a reflection of you, um, and it's it's really mirrors. It seems your existence um, from a very young mm. age. Um, what do I want to ask you? I mean, uh, what I, I suppose like how. How do you think you have arrived at this place of what sounds like relative enlightenment <laughs> compared to <laughs> many of us, certainly, like given that trauma, that, that trauma and, and, and struggle? But like, mm. I mean, yeah, talk, maybe just talk to us a little bit more about like, what, why, have, why have you ended up at this more enlightened, more content, more thoughtful place when many in your who, who might have had that trauma or struggle in an early in early life might have ended up in a very different place, right? Yes, um, it's um, it's a very lonely path. It's um, it's not easy. It might seem like you're a happy person on the outside most of the time, and that's a projection. Um, and when mm. um, when going through trauma, uh, you either get stuck or you try to find a way out. Um, I don't think I'm anywhere near any kind of enlightenment. I 
been around people that I feel were much closer to that. And I think um, finding a routine that works for you is fundamental to that. So the routine that helps me with what I who I am is I do um, my morning routine is fundamental. So I wake up and then I do what I call a chakra cleanse meditation and that resets my physical and energetic body. Then I have a cold shower and mm. then I have another meditation which I sit for 15 if I'm lucky, 20 minutes. So that routine is close to an hour and that's just setting me up for the day. Now, I, f I feel like we all have a energetic, like some people might not understand an aura or an energetic field, but I think we'd understand that if you're in a room and someone enters that room and they're buzzing and they're very excited, you can feel that energy and you don't have to look at them. And if someone that's a very like angry and um, wants to do something energy, you can feel that. Now, what I'm talking mm -hmm. about is with the recalibration of your own field, you are like captain of your own, like, so it puts you in a position where the influence of others, you now are in a position to choose if they influence you or not. So, if you're with an excited person, either you become excited or you're, there's a slight disconnect, or if someone's angry. Whereas I think if you're calm, I think that calmness is able to go into all of those spheres. You can become empathetic to someone mm. that's angry and understand it without taking their anger away. And if someone's mm. very excited, you can go on that as well. And I think it's really important, especially for young people, to teach them how to control themselves i don't mean like control is in i'm thinking something i don't want to think of it get rid of it i'm not talking about that control i'm talking about a control where you're actually feeling the feeling you want to feel on a way where it can last a curation almost yeah definitely i just want before we go i just want to pull you up uh just quickly uh, talking about that morning routine which parts of it like resonate with me too but I would love if you could maybe share with us and for our audience the benefits for you of the cold shower and how long you're able to have your cold yeah. shower for. So the cold shower, I came across this about over five years ago. So, and this is before, like when I say it, people say Wim Hof and I totally, I love his stuff, but I discovered it from, I had a, something was up with my hip and someone that was working with me at the time, she said to me, um, have a cold bath because um, that's what dancers do. It's really good for repairing muscle. And so I had this cold bath. It was absolute hell. I hated it. And then when I got out of the bath, <laughs> I was buzzing for two hours. And ever since I did that day, I've had something, a bath or a shower cold every single day for over five years. So my optimum routine, which I can't at the moment because uh, we've moved to a place where um, the the bath is on a separate floor to us. We have a shower in our room, but my optimum is um, during the week, uh, three minutes, a three-minute cold shower. So I have a routine in the shower, the way that I'm standing, what I'm rubbing and touching, and I make sure each part of my body gets cold. So it's not, I'm not, I don't just stand there and just kind of like shiver. I'm actually 
I'm exercising my knees. I'm doing Dynamic. a few different. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's not just I'm standing. So that's uh, Monday to Friday. And then a Saturday and Sunday, I'm not doing this at the moment, but as soon as I'm near a bath and a shower that's close, my optimum is have a hot shower, have an ice bath for eight minutes, have a hot shower, have an ice bath for five minutes, have a hot shower, have an ice bath for three minutes. And what that does is the hot shower brings the blood to the surface very quickly. And then the, um, the ice bath, it brings the blood to the organs. So you're literally pumping the blood, retract, pump, retract, pump, retract. And then what I'm doing in the bath, I'm, I'm not passive in the bath either. So if I'm having a nice bath, I'm, I'm sure Wim Hof talks about this kind of stuff as well. But it's when you get in, it takes your breath away. So you're <gasps> so I try to, it took me, when I first used to do it, there's about a minute and a half to get my breath to be calm. And now I'm getting <laughs> yeah. down to close to 30 seconds where I get into an ice bath, fully submerged, even like just my face coming out. And then I'm trying to, in the bath, get my breath down to as calm as possible. And then I listen to something on YouTube that's really inspirational. And then because I'm fighting something that's, um, it's an, it's an environment that your body shouldn't be in. It's iced water. So I'm trying to get myself to a calm level where I'm intaking something that's really, really useful to me. So I'm really trying to push, like, how can I learn? How can I be calm? How can I push my boundaries? It's not just I'm trying to get into cold water and stay in there for an amount of time. If I have a cold bath and I don't have a shower, my cold bath I do for 11 minutes and then I get out and I'm pretty numb and then when I'm brushing my teeth or doing something, I try not to dry myself quickly. And it's crazy, but the droplets of water, I want them to get warm before I wipe them off so that I'm bringing my body temperature back up. I'm not getting, I'm not wrapping myself in a towel, getting dry and putting clothes on. I'm trying to get warm. Yeah. I'm not trying to get warm. I'm trying to naturally let my body come back to its temperature and the benefits are insane. I mean, you are literally adding time to your life. It's mm-hmm. from like when catching COVID, when I had COVID, I did a, an extreme routine. And I mean, when we had the 10 days of isolation, I cannot tell you by day seven and eight, I'm bouncing off the walls with energy. I am flying. And by 10, I'm like, get me out of here. Cause, and I'm not talking mm-hmm. about cabin fever. I'm talking about mm-hmm. I'm physically buzzing and i really thought that there was an opportunity to promote i know that for me there was a bit of a propaganda around fear with covid but i thought there was a real opportunity to promote health with covid and there was no dialogue about that and i through my own practice i really reached some higher levels catching covid and i thought there was i wish people really could have spoken about that and shared you know more about the health benefits um yeah so aside from obviously the cardiovascular and also the aerobic benefits, I mean, you yeah. said this journey started for you because of your hip. So, I mean, yeah. h- how do that. you feel? For- exactly. Yeah. Okay. It fixed that real quick. So if you've got like, um, if you've got any kind of movement um, stuff going on in your body, if you've got, because it's your, 
your red, I don't know which cell, but I'm not sure if it's the red or the white blood cells. So you, your arteries and veins are really like taking the toxins out of your body. And when you're um, just living day to day normal life, you're not releasing, you're not releasing the stress out of your body. And when, I know it sounds funny to say it in this way, but when you stress the body, you actually repair the body. And it's, it's just the same, like when you're doing weights, I'm not a weightlifter, you're tearing muscles to build muscle. I'm talking mm-hmm. about like you're going in an extreme to like cryo, cryo is it cryo the, yeah, the yeah, tanks? It is, yeah. mm-hmm. That's an extreme way of repair for like, you know, athletes are going into minus 140 degrees for three minutes and it's repairing the body and you come out and you just feel, so with my friends that don't like cold and they want to start, I say, look, this isn't about like jumping in an ice bath and like knocking yourself out because you're not, it's not, it's not going to last. What you, a, a way to start is have your normal shower and at the end, turn it cold for 30 seconds. That's it. Like, do not like, you want to sustain this. You want to build up. You want to build up. And then you get to a place where it's not about, I, for the record, I actually don't like cold showers. So it's not about <laughs> I enjoy it. What I enjoy is the feeling afterwards. And I mm. think that's what's important to me. I prefer, I, I like the outcome. I don't like the process. But I know the process <laughs> is what I've got to go through. And that's with most things in life. What, no. what, um, what, what, what would you say to... I mean, so one of the things I'm grappling with at the moment is mm. how we can help some of the big global organisations that are arguably, well, what what are they? They're, they're they're not the problem, but they're wrapped up in the problem, um, yeah. which is leading to the climate emergency and social breakdown in many cases and all kinds of things that we all know about. But as as humans, it strikes me that we because these are just collections of human beings, these organisations, they, we, don't often like to go through that that pain or that hard work to, to get the, I guess, yeah, more enlightened outcomes that we're, <laughs> that we're looking yeah. for. And so mm. how, how, I mean, maybe through your own story, like personally, mm. like how, how do you create that discipline? How do you encourage people to 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 get there and do that kind of ongoing hard work to get the positive outcomes if that makes sense because we're in such a kind of instant gratification uh, hedonistic kind of consumption space mm-hmm. what you're talking about is 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 a big leap um yeah and one one that many individuals and organizations i think find a, a leap too far mm. i think um what i'm about to say um with uh, AI, I think it's gonna slightly it's gonna be a bit difficult, but I always live by accumulated small steps create big things. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So if you hit a golf ball um and you're like a percent of a degree here, where that ball lands is in the bushes. Whereas if you hit it square on, it lands close to the hole. So you've been watching me play golf, Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) Hitting it in the bushes most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) So 
if you're talking about a large organization and um, the direction that it's going in, it's heading in a direction. But if I'm hearing you correctly, there's a slightly better direction that it can go in. And I don't think it's about making that massive leap and just changing it, making it go in that direction. I think it's putting in infrastructures that are really, really small, that almost don't look like they're having any impact at the beginning. And then the outcome in a month, six months, a year, five, it's a completely different landing place. And it's like mm. with um, in open AI, so in ChatGPT, one of the most important parts of the beginning was a man that was all he was working on was predicting on Amazon the next letter that was going to be typed. That's all it was. And then they didn't really understand what he's doing it, but they just believed that he was doing something special. And then that has launched and gone on to this self-learning and um, this very high prediction and all of these different things. But it was a very, 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 very small thing at the beginning. And now it's turning into something that's changing by the month, by the week, by the day. And we're trying to keep up with this technology. And that's why I'm saying with AI, it's different because I'm saying about small steps create big things. And I think it also applies to that, but it's that's speeding up. It's speeding up so quickly. And I think the landscapes of corporations will change dramatically. Um, and it's about interacting with these things in a holistic way early on, as opposed to mm. just allowing a kind of toxic environment to emerge. I think um, it's really important. It's interesting because I was actually, even before you asked that question, Mike, and actually what you've really kind of, to some extent, doubled down on here, Robbie, is uh, this idea of habit stacking, which I'd learned about from uh, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, that, you know, you, mm. you make these tiny little incremental changes that bit by bit, right, yeah. the compounding, how interest even works, that on a day by day, it might seem like, you know, a penny here, a penny there, but... Mm-hmm. when things then start to like move exponentially what starts mm-hmm. is like you know a two a four an eight a 16 by the time you're in the thousands i mean all of a Absolutely. sudden it goes then it goes very big very quickly and i think to your point that yeah i mean i my own uh cold uh shower experience did start in exactly the way that you uh, said too that at the end of the bath or in my shower in the morning it started off literally at the beginning. I couldn't do more than five seconds. <laughs> really? Do you do cold showers now? I do, yeah, yeah. And so I do the cold showers. I do intermittent fasting. Obviously, mm. I'm, I'm vegan. But I'm always trying to add new disciplines to, mm. to, to my life because ultimately you find that these disciplines are what kind of give you your own, uh, your own baseline, your own mm. – they, they, ser- they serve as meditations in their, in, mm-hmm. in their own way. Because like they kind of give you a consistency, something that is a conversation with yourself, with your spirit, with like accountability with mm-hmm. your own body, your your mind, yeah. your spirit. And I find that in this very complicated world, to then go to what Mike's point about the organizations is that in an era, particularly for Western corporations, of easy money and easy access to it, like mm-hmm. everybody's happy to glut, like nobody needs to tighten mm-hmm. their belt and learn how to discipline. And so as this kind of comes, people then find it difficult because for me, before I went vegan, say, I would literally, if I was walking down the street on the way home, if I was walking past Sainsbury's, I'd be like, you know, I might as well just go and buy one of those 
charcuterie packs and a couple of cheeses. Might might as well. And it was just like, and, it was, and I realized that if I hadn't made some of those decisions that, because to your point, people sometimes think that with my veganism, oh, you, you don't like meat and cheese and stuff. I'm like, it's mm. literally my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah. it's discipline. It's, it's, it's like, I mean, now it's become more of like, you know, my, my animist approach. But at the beginning, it just felt super restrictive. But it, mm-hmm. at the same time, it was a, a methodology for learning more about myself and learning more about how I can be in control of me. And to your point mm. that you mentioned earlier about what control means, I don't mean control in the, like, you know, serve mm. and obey sense, but I mean in the sense of, yeah, curating mindful decisions in my life, which have ultimately helped me in my own mental and spiritual development like as my life continues and stuff that I'm then able to like echo into the lives of my children and others around me too. So I think that, yeah, what you've kind of really said just kind of like really like resonates with me on, on so many levels and like to then see how you've been able to, as I said, yeah, kind of realize that through your art, which as I kind of like, you know, became familiar with it, like as in preparation for this conversation, and it's really, and I suppose what you've said today, this really highlighted to me that every single piece of your murals actually is a piece of art in itself because they're Absolutely. fragments of you yeah. as well, as well as being like the, the, the ultimate amalgam. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. <laughs> so yeah, no, thank you. I, I was going to, I was wondering if there was a question coming in, in, in there. Well, no, because there's been so many, there's been so many points in the conversation I wanted <laughs> yeah, to interject, yeah. but it was so, and so I kind mm. of stored it all up and went, Broop. yeah, <laughs> no, brilliant. that was amazing. I, I was going to ask you guys, um, cause again, I, I think I'm sort of, uh, well, my, my role seems to be, I don't know if maybe in this podcast too, but in, in life generally, oh. I, I'm trying to bring, some of the wisdom and I, I guess I will use the word kind of higher or the phrase higher consciousness um, without being sort of flattering you too, too much. Cause, uh, <laughs> but like how, how do, yeah, I'm trying to bring this to, 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 to as wide an audience as possible and, and really mm. try to scale and change well, change the world, ideally, if that doesn't sound too grandiose, like blow smoke up my own ass a bit as well. <laughs> um, how, how do we distill some of this stuff and, and make it more accessible? Would you suggest just get started somewhere? I mean, your, your example, Robbie, of just start small and, and build from there. Like what's what's the way to take this to, to, to as many people as possible? And, and, and do you guys still fail? Like, or have you, have you got to that, to that higher place? Always, always failing. That's, that's the best place to learn. I think, um, with, um, identifying it depends, um, what, uh, like the organization and it depends on what part of society you're referring to. So, um, I think that, um, a really simple thing and I don't, want people to get caught up on it only being this thing so happiness at work I think is and I don't want it to be like you're only happy at work you know sometimes you can have a bad day but you still had a good day um it's not about that but I think um how can we make people actually get to the end of their life you know what I'm saying about hitting the goal for you don't want to get to the end of your life and say the contribution that I've had is 
one third of my life, I didn't enjoy doing it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, if you didn't enjoy doing it, what was the outcome of what you did? Because your contribution towards society, if it's coming from a place of, oh, it's Monday morning, I've got to go to work. Well, what are you going to produce when you get there? Like, I think by actually making people happy, um, even in a toxic environment, will lead to different decision-making process. And I mm. think that you would actually do different things in a different and unique way. And um, how do you make people happy? I think I start with things um, like um, JB was saying, things like your diet, things like your morning routine, things like the room that you're working in, things like how mm. do people talk to each other, like really basic stuff. And it's just mm. like, once you've got some of these mechanisms in place, like I actually think you could make the, com- the company more profitable and more environmentally friendly at the same time. Mm. I, tr- I totally believe that. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> so yeah. in, that, in, that, in that vision, uh, Robbie, do you, how, how do you see the, I mean, really broad question coming here, but yeah. how do you see the future? How do you see the future panning out? Do you see this as something that maybe will like have, uh, widespread adoption, people slowly kind of having like uh, epiphanies, whether they are physical epiphanies, like, you know, starting with like, you know, uh, uh, a pain hip or a redundancy at work or something that kind of sparks them into this kind of space or, I mean, yeah, I suppose I don't want to lead you, lead your answer. What do you, what do you think okay. the future holds? Okay. So, um, <clears throat> Um, so this morning I dropped off my son, same as Mike's school, son to school. And, um, and I, um, saw one of my favorite artists, like top three artists in my, um, on the planet. And we was talking and he asked me where my studio was. I told him, I said I was moving. And then we really just really connected. Um, we've met each other several times and then he opened up and said that, you know, he's one of the top artists on the planet. And he said, he's dropped the gallery and he's working by himself. And he said, do you work with a gallery to me? And I said, no, I don't. I work with a couple of dealers. I said, how was it when you dropped the gallery? And he said, I feel a lot freer. Now, when you're talking about how do I see the future? I think that sometimes all you need to do is hear someone say, I took a risk. And you know what? There's a switch inside and you can't switch it back off. And it's just like, there's something special inside of every single person on the planet. And are you doing it or are you resisting it? And it's like, I would say that most of us are resisting that very thing that we're meant to do. And the thing that you're meant to do, actually, I think contributes in a positive way to the planet. And I think that when you hear someone and they're just like, you know what? It wasn't easy. I took this risk, but I feel... Freer, I feel lighter. I'm more. I want to get up in the morning. And yes, there are challenges. It's sometimes more than I had before, but I have a purpose. And it's like waking up that purpose. I think that is something that would lead to a more positive future. In in from my own perspective, um, but I think that most people aren't living on purpose, and I don't think it's that hard to find. Everyone's like reading loads of blogs and listening to. Like, you know mm-hmm. what? Just like, you only need to hear someone took a risk on the thing that they love to do and now they're doing it. It's like, it's not, um, but I, I really believe that there is a beauty. I think we live 
believe it, I think we live actually in paradise and we taint it into something that's not paradise. I think humans actually complicate things. I think we, we, we focus the mind on negativity. Like I said, with COVID, absolute, like pin it down. Like don't think anything mm-hmm. positive or healthy out of this. And it's like, mm-hmm. I think that if we can just a small degree, just change a little bit of a perspective on the way that we think, I think will lead to an incredible future. But at the moment, unfortunately, I think the mind is going down this, this path that's quite destructive, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we're in quite a negative, destructive, sick world. Um, I don't buy into it. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm good. I'm one foot in, one foot out. I'm trying to make it better. But mm-hmm. um, I think it could be a lot better. Um, I'm, optim- I'm pessimistically optimistic <laughs> about the future. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say pragmatically. I'll give you pragmatically. Okay. Thank yeah, you. Pragmatically, That's yeah. Good- right, yeah. <laughs> Robbie, there's, there's, so much, there's so much wisdom and and practical guidance and hope that you've sort of shared with us today coming from starting from a place of trauma actually that you, that's where we started this conversation we normally ask for a couple of a sort of couple of practical questions at the end to wrap up our podcast so we've come to the end of our time unfortunately i could talk to you for hours but mm-hmm, <laughs> um, for sure yeah the, the, I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask all of those regular questions because you've given us so much already and some really practical mm. stuff as well but maybe one last question to finish on 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 the optimism and um, what's giving you hope right now i think um the thing that's giving me hope is my own kids and it's like when i see like yesterday i took my son to play football in a playground i was in goal there was three against three. He was the youngest person there. He just jumped in. He just got on with it. He was playing. I was like, even they were shocked how well he was playing. And I'm not saying that because he's my son. I'm saying that because there's some, there's a spark and a light that was shining through him at that time. And it carried all the way through to this morning when we got up. And he's, dad, dad, tell mommy how well I play football. And it's like that channel of light, um, it just gives me hope. And it's like, whatever you're doing and contributing towards this planet, even if you don't have children, there is, I'm hoping there's someone that you love on this planet. How would you like to leave this planet for them? And it's really simple, like live into that. Mm. Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been... I'm, I'm, and I'm going to get one last yeah. question. Yeah, go I'm for it. Out of your question, out of the questions, MJ, but because obviously something that we didn't touch on, but I know that music plays a large part in your life oh, as well. And yeah. so I just want to ask you one question, which is what are you listening to at the moment? Ah, uh, can I um I see if I can find it? It's um oh, <laughs> oh there it is. Uh there it is. So I I'm not sure that I can say the name uh show album. This it's uh, Michelle Legrand, and it's Legrand Jazz featuring Miles Davis, John Coltrane, and Bill Evans. It's mind blowing. Um, yeah, so jazz. Yeah, 
I've got that written down. I'll be putting that onto my Spotify list for today as I move and shake yeah. through. Send it to of... me. Send it to me. So I don't have to write yeah. it down. No Blue, the, the, the tune Blue and Sentimental in particular, like there's a couple of songs on there that are just, yeah, um, amazing. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so pleasure. much. Yeah, it's been That's a really pleasure. good conversation. Yeah, and yeah. I really look forward to staying in contact and seeing if yeah, I can get do. up to a 15 minutes or 11 minutes in the bar. Go on, go on. <laughs> do it, Robbie. Thank, Thank you. So, have a great day, Rob. Thank you so much. Love to see you, you soon. Take care. Cheers, yeah, mate. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I absolutely loved that conversation with Robbie, you guys. Um, where to start? He is such a special person. I think the thing that really resonates with me about Robbie amongst so many things is that he is really the embodiment of the work that he does he is really being like his work is him being he makes the discarded beautiful and wanted and as he said that's really a reflection of his childhood it's um really special yeah I think there was actually something I could just even hear in his voice in how he talks rather than just the content of what he was saying and I think as we kind of like delved into some of his disciplines and especially something that we both shared, particularly with like the, the cold water, but for him even more so the ice baths, it just like really resonated. And I really just felt that there was an embodiment of his art in him. He is like a, a, a living canvas of what he creates. Yeah, he's an amazing guy, isn't he? And another thing that I love about Robbie is that he just makes this stuff simple. Um, he shares the fact that there really is something special unique in everyone um and actually a lot of this stuff isn't hard to find if you can take a risk doing something that you love and just do it um he also makes mm -hmm. the point that we live in this beautiful paradise in many ways yes life can be hard we can be surrounded by stress and complications but humans most of the time do just complicate things if we get some of the basics right stuff will flow from there very true uh it actually made me think that that point he made about the single function uh on amazon that has morphed into in essence the current version of chat gpt he actually reminded me of something i've written previously about evil not being born but being iterated i mean i see that as we have very capable humans playing psychopathic games and it's doing really well at it for generations but fundamentally i don't think people are bad no, I mean, just to end on a high, because we like to be positive around here, the the hope that comes through through kids was another theme that was picked up, that we picked up on that one, and that's just come through in all of our discussions, right? So we do have the hope the next generation can be better. Um, we are all capable of love and being loved, and we can create the world where we can all be if we want to. Yeah, and I think my final thought, <clears throat> would probably be that we're all artists inside really even if we're working in high finance tech whatever like we're all suppressed artists and i think when you hear from an artist it just has a feeling of hope so thank you robbie loved it thank you guys thank you for listening to this episode of better beings we are an independently produced show and your support is what helps us develop and grow if you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with friends, family and colleagues and consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. 
Big thanks to our technical producer, Elliot Fisher, and to our researcher and guest-facing producer, Tara Rudd. Please follow us at Better Beings Pod on both Instagram and Twitter for quotes, updates, and guest insights. And subscribe and follow on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Thank you so much for being with us and see you on the next episode.